You're listening to To Dine for the Podcast, the Shot Put Media production, presented by MasterCard. Start something priceless. What's better in life than a bottle of wine, great food, and an amazing conversation? My name is Kate Sullivan, and I am the host of To Dine For. I'm a journalist, a foodie, a traveler with an appetite for the stories of people who are hungry for more. Dreamers, visionaries, artists, those who hustle hard in the direction they love. I travel with them to their favorite restaurant to hear how they did it. This show is a toast to them and their American dream. To Dine For the Podcast is brought to you by Terlato Wine Group. American National Insurance, and Spiritless. At the beginning of this podcast, I ask, what's better in life than a bottle of wine, great food, and an amazing conversation? While the To Dine For podcast provides the restaurants and the people, where are you getting your wine? Uncork.com is an online wine shop that brings the best part of buying wine right into your home. This carefully curated collection of wines range in price to accommodate every budget, from everyday best buys all the way to very special occasion wines. Uncork.com features family-owned wineries from all corners of the globe, California to France, Washington to Italy. If you're looking to broaden your wine horizons, learn about new producers and get great customer service, just like your local wine shop, head over to uncork.com. Use code TDF20 to get 20% off your first purchase. To Dine For the Podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. For 115 years, American National has remained committed to helping people and communities make a real difference in their lives. American National supports great local community organizations led by the kind of people you hear about on To Dine For people who are inspired to make a difference and inspire others in return. American National's philosophy is helping where it's needed helps us all. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write, and the states in which they're licensed, visit americannational.com dine. If you listen to this podcast, you know I love a great founder story. That's why I love the story of Kentucky 74 from Spiritless, Three young women from Louisville, Kentucky, who had the idea for a healthier bourbon. Healthier in the sense it has no alcohol. So you can have an evening cocktail with no guilt and almost no calories. It is so delicious. I love to squeeze an orange slice, a couple of dashes of bitters, shake it with ice, and then strain it into a beautiful glass and just kick back. If you'd like to try a bottle of Spiritless, you can use promo code to dine for to get free shipping. Welcome to To Dine For The Podcast, where we meet the world's most innovative and fascinating minds at their favorite restaurant. On today's episode is Sarah Kaus. I was doing something that I wanted to do and I felt like it was right for the brand, but it, it resonated so much with our consumers that they became our frontline advocates and telling the story and then hence selling more bottles to do more good in the world. Sarah Kaus is the founder and former CEO of Swell a fashionable water bottle company with a big goal, to rid the world of single-use plastic bottles. Yes, Swell began in 2010 with just $30,000 from Sarah's savings. Her company has gone on to reach 
more than $100 million in revenue. She created a new category and a well-loved brand. Swell has helped make sustainability more mainstream, and in doing so, she has helped displace more than 4 billion single-use plastic bottles. She has led Swell to be the number one fastest-growing women-led company by the Women Presidents Organization and placed it in the top 100 of Inc.'s 500 list of fastest-growing privately held companies. I can't wait for you to hear my interview with Sarah Kaus. Hi, Sarah. How are you? How are you? So nice to meet you. Great to meet you. Thank you so much for being on to Dine for the podcast. Well, thank you for asking me. And I'm such a fan because I, ever since you wrote to me, I've been listening to a bunch of your podcasts and they're so fun. Thank you. So, thank you so yeah. much for saying that. I really appreciate it. I know you grew up in Florida and then you went to the University of Colorado at Boulder. Where do you live now? Right now I'm in Florida. We, I, we have a home down here and have for a long time and the weather's so nice and our son is three and not in school yet. So we're just kind of hanging out. Oh, beautiful. The office is closed. There's no reason to be in Manhattan. So uh, I'm in Florida today. Okay. So if I were to ask you your favorite restaurant, you've had so many varied experiences living in New York and, and Colorado and Florida. Where would you take me as your favorite spot? I have to take you to New York City. I have to take you to Raul's. Have you been? Oh, Raul's? yes. Oh. The steak frites. Oh, They're my the best. God. My husband took me there on our first date and it was raining. And it was back when you could still sit in that little patio behind the kitchen. Yes. And it was so magical that we went in and I don't even remember what we had on that first night, but we've been back many times for special occasions and it's such a special place in my heart. And what a great spot for a first date. It is so romantic. I couldn't believe it. That's that's really not his MO. He's he's also <laughs> from Colorado and he was visiting in New York and he just happened to know this great place started by these brothers in the 70s that came from France and he he waltzed in there, got a table and I was like, "Who is this guy?" Yeah, so, he, yeah. he he came to impress, didn't he? Yeah, he he definitely did his work. So And then also that circular staircase that takes you up to the bathroom that's kind of scary but kind of fun. It's especially if you've had a few martinis. You definitely <laughs> You definitely want to watch yourself on the staircase. And then um, there's always that fun fortune teller up there. Yes, I know. It is. It really is a magical spot. It's tiny. It's uh, down in Soho in New York City. And if you're listening and you've never been, you must try Raul's. I, I completely agree with Sarah. So great, great choice. Thanks. I am fascinated to hear the story behind Swell. Everyone that I know has one of these beautiful, fashionable water bottles. You are credited with kind of making these water bottles cool. And of course, so many people have knocked you off, which is a sign of great success. But let's begin at the beginning. You were an accountant and you gained an incredible amount of experience from your time at, at Ernst & Young, correct? Correct. But it must have been a moment of inspiration that had you take what I call a fork in the road in a completely different direction in your life. Let's talk about that. Sure. So I, um, as you mentioned, I went to school in, in Boulder for, for my undergrad and lots of, you know, hiking in the beautiful mountains and of course, always using a reusable water bottle. Um, mm -hmm. So fast forward to working at Ernst & Young, going to Harvard for my MBA, working in commercial real estate. I always was using a reusable water bottle, but mm -hmm. it looked like I was in Boulder camping. 
I think it still even had a bumper sticker of Ralphie the Buffalo, which is the mascot <laughs> of Boulder on the side. It wasn't really the professional image that I should be sending. And what I, my, my epiphany moment really was that, you know, I was hiking on the side of a mountain with my mom on a hot summer day in, in Arizona of all places while we were on a vacation. And I took a sip of water and I said, you know, somebody should make a water bottle that's insulated and keeps things cold. And by the way, it should be fashionable to keep up with, you know, the investment side that I was making in, you know, other accessories, you know, handbags or shoes or what have you. So I had this moment of thinking someone should do this thing with myself as the consumer. I set off to do this as a project a dozen years ago, you know, fast forward to where we are now, you know, I, I think most people have a hydration fashion accessory in their life, but you know, okay, I, I love that a hydration yeah. fashion accessory. That's what I'm now going to call it. That's hilarious. Um, but you know what you, 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 you struck on a really important point and everyone listening has had a moment where they've said, somebody should do this. Somebody should make this. What was it about, you know, creating that water bottle and had you always known you wanted to try something entrepreneurial and then the idea came to you? Or what was it about you that said, this is going to be what I do? You know, I always wanted to do something entrepreneurial. My, my parents were, were business owners when I grew up, but I, I never had the confidence in myself that I had a big enough idea. Hmm. So what wasn't supposed to be the thing? It was, it was really a project where I would learn a lot about starting a business. And then I would go find my big idea and do the thing. Hilarious. Uh, so this yeah. was really, you, you were going to, this is your guinea pig. Swell was right. your guinea pig. Right. Wow. That is so inspiring. Okay. So take me from the beginning. How do you even begin to create, not only design a product, but get it out in the world? You know, I made all the mistakes. I, I sort of say I'm the poster child for what not to do, which is why I love to work with founders now because I can sort of take them under my wing and say, here's what I did wrong the first three times. And here's what I learned from that. And you know, here's how I can help you on the journey. Um, if you can believe it, I actually designed the first Swell bottle, the iconic, you know, 17 ounce, 500 milliliters. And when you think of, when you think of Swell on, on paper, um, mm. I it and then put it in a PowerPoint presentation. Of wow. course, now we've got incredible industrial engineers and 3D printers. Sure. And, you know, we really know what we're doing now with product design. But in the beginning, my idea was to create something that would be beautiful and could sit in the window at, at Bloomingdale's. Mm. And it would be iconic and elegant that would be sold at places like the MoMA store. And, you know, we've, we've worked with both over the years. And I didn't want it to have any bells and whistles. Like I didn't want a carabiner on the top. Like again, I didn't want it to be a, a camping hiking accessory. I wanted it to be something that was very design forward and elegant. So I, I sort of played and, and ripped with sort of the early uh, milk bottles. If you know, you remember, you know, a long, yes. long time ago when they used to deliver milk to your front porch and really just thought about like, what would be something that I could really get people's attention with this vessel to tell a story about doing some good in the world and started finding factories and sending my, my little PowerPoint presentation saying, here's, I'm Sarah, this is my idea. And can you make this bottle? And I can tell you the first samples that came from the factories that I found were not so good. I mean, it was probably <laughs> six months of back and forth. And, you know, the anticipation of opening the box and looking inside and thinking, well, we missed again, um, <laughs> but we eventually got there. So, so mm -hmm. this is really interesting because your background as an accountant, you wouldn't think necessarily you had an acumen for design or fashion. It sounds like you wanted it to be very female focused that a woman would want to have it because it would be beautiful. You could find it at, at a luxury department store. It's almost like you, you knew what you 
didn't know, but you didn't let that stop you, right? That's right. That's right. I was really designing this product for me hmm. and others like me. And I don't, I didn't do a market study. I didn't say, okay, well, you know, people like me only compromise half of the planet and maybe we should make something that's more gender neutral. I just said, you know, I want something that's going to be really fashionable. And, you know, the first bottle was blue. So that's gender neutral. It wasn't that I started out with millennial pink, but I I really wanted it to be fashion first. I I thought that's how I was going to get people's attention with this bottle. You know, I started Swell because I I really wanted people to stop using single-use plastic bottles. And I wanted to give back to charities that were helping bring clean drinking water to parts of the world that didn't have it. So I, I, this, this bottle was on a mission to tell a story. And I just thought women like myself that were investing in other accessories would pay a little bit more for a bottle that was doing something good in the world. We'll have more on this conversation in just a minute. But first, thank you to our sponsors. If you're like me, there are times when you want to feel like you're having a fancy cocktail, but you don't actually want the alcohol. So I love Kentucky 74 from Spiritless. It's a distilled, non-alcoholic spirit for your favorite bourbon cocktails, but with just 15 calories per serving and none of the guilt. You can pre-order your bottle today at spiritless.com. Use the promo code TODINEFOR to get free shipping. To Dine For the podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. There's a funny thing about most insurance commercials, whether they feature lizards or birds or funny cartoon characters. It seems like they want you to think about anything but insurance. American National, on the other hand, has real local agents who get to know you so they can help you reach better decisions about your insurance to make sure you're protecting what matters most to you. American National agents are part of your community. They're your neighbors. So whether it's solutions for your home, your small business, your farm or your life, You can count on your local American national agent to make sure you get the discounts you deserve and the protection you need without paying for extras you don't. With American National, you get an ally, not just a web page. For a description of the American national companies, the products they write in the states in which they're licensed, visit AmericanNational.com slash dine. At the beginning of this podcast, I ask, what's better in life than a bottle of wine, great food, and an amazing conversation? While the To Dine For podcast provides the restaurants and the people, where are you getting your wine? Uncork.com is an online wine shop that brings the best part of buying wine right into your home. This carefully curated collection of wines range in price to accommodate every budget, from everyday best buys all the way to very special occasion wines. Uncork.com features family-owned wineries from all corners of the globe, California to France, Washington to Italy. If you're looking to broaden your wine horizons, learn about new producers and get great customer service, just like your local wine shop, head over to uncork.com. Use code TDF20 to get 20% off your first purchase. Now back to our conversation. Not only did you create a beautiful product, but you were able to tell a story around it. You were galvanized by the idea of getting rid of use of single use water bottles. How important was that and part of it to the success of Swell? Well, it was really important for me to put my time and energy into it because I I really wanted it to be something I was passionate about and, you know, creating a purpose-driven company and brand. 
But what I did realize at the time was how important that was going to be to the success of Swell too. That for, mm. it, it did have to be a product that that worked. It had to keep things hot and cold. It had to be fashionable. But what that that purpose and what that story did for the company was allowed our consumers to become purposeful advocates and tell the story of this bottle that was doing good. So in the first maybe 10 years of Swell, we didn't spend any money on marketing. Mm. It was all organic. It was person to person. It was word of mouth. It was someone buying the product and then taking it to work or school or yoga or somewhere and saying, you know, I just bought this Swell and they, they could decide which part of the story they wanted this to tell. They could say, I left it in my car on a hot summer day and there's ice cubes. They could say, you know, we're, on, we're trying to rid the world of single-use plastic and I'm doing something virtuous by using it and, and thinking about my consumption. Or oftentimes they talked about the fact that we worked with, you know, UNICEF and brought clean drinking water to Madagascar or American Forest and Planted Trees or so many of the organizations we worked with. It really allowed individuals to support a brand that, also activated something in their own purpose that they wanted to support what we were doing because it made them feel that they were supporting a, a company that their own values were were evident in. And that storytelling was incredible for us. It was it wasn't just in you know direct bottle sales, but it was in press and PR and partnerships. And it was re- really surprising to me because I was doing something that I wanted to do and I felt like it was right for the brand, but it, it resonated so much with our consumers that they became our frontline advocates and telling the story and then hence selling more bottles to do more good in the world. You know, we always talk about storytelling in business and how it's essential and crucial. I feel like your ability to tell story with Swell is a wonderful blueprint for other companies because it shows how to get the consumer to be your best advocate. And it's almost like not only is it just a water bottle that they're carrying, it's a part of who they are because they too believe in sustainability. They too believe in a greener world and they care, right? It's almost like carrying the bottle is, is, is almost like carrying a badge of who you are. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we, we launched when I launched Swell at almost the same time that Instagram got started. And so it was surprising to me that so many people were putting a Swell bottle in their outfit, their vacation photo, the mm. beautiful meal, you know, it was, it was a virtual signaling, but in a really good way. Yes. And they tag us. And then of course their friends were like, what is that beautiful thing? I want to find out about that thing too. Right. And so <laughs> perfect. Um, yeah. So I really, we were very lucky and that people wanted to tell our story and, and to share it and, and really create a movement together. Take me back to the early days. You, you mentioned trying trial and error with getting the product design right. What stores were the first to sell Swell? And can you talk a little bit about those early days? Sure. The early days were all independent specialty stores, little okay. mom and pop in one location. Um, I found this incredible woman named Ann Kentrell at Annie's Blue Ribbon General Store in Brooklyn, New York. First time I ever went to Brooklyn, I took the train out there. I found her online and she just had the greatest stuff in this old fashioned general store. And I said, how do you find all of this stuff? Like not every business owner walks in the door and, and says, hey, here's my product and will you buy some? And she explained to me how trade shows work. And she mm-hmm. explained to me how sales reps work and really helped me. Of course, she was one of my first stores and she still sells a lot of swell bottles for us. I think the first order she bought was four pieces. Wow. Um, I had them in my backpack. I put them on the shelf. <laughs> I told her to call me when they sold out. <laughs> you did um, merchandising. You you, design, yeah. you you set it up, right? But, but it really 
really helped me to start small because there was so much I didn't know. I mean, at the time I didn't have packaging. I didn't have a price tag sticker. I didn't, she asked me how they, you know, what's a case pack, what's an inner, what's it? And I said, I don't know what any of those things are. I just have this beautiful product and how many can I put you down for? And so she really helped me. And then through that, I did go to a lot of trade shows. I met, um, I think Crate and Barrel was our first national account. We did finally get into Bloomingdale's after many, many, many phone calls, (laughs) lots of no's over the years. And then I was, I was lucky and that, you know, consumers love the product. So it was a little bit easier to convince buyers to take a chance on us. Tell me a little bit about your relationship with rejection and how it's evolved over the years, because anyone who's an entrepreneur knows you have to get incredibly comfortable with rejection. How has that experience been for you? Well, I wasn't a natural born salesperson, Mm. but I also grew up as an accountant. And so I knew that I needed to make the numbers work. I never raised money for Swell. And so to buy inventory, I had to sell the inventory. So I got very comfortable with rejection because I didn't have time to dwell on it because I needed to get into the next store and try to convince them to buy some more of this product. And so I think rejection became comfortable because I think it was motivating for me. Mm. I just, I just was so confident that the world needed this product that I just, took it in stride and, and got comfortable with it. But I have to say, if, if I didn't have that kick in the pants that I had to sell the inventory, I don't know that I would have been very comfortable to be a salesperson. So you were you were driven based on your needs. You knew the numbers and you really, you know, you had a fire to make it work. That's right. That's yeah. right. How did you come up with the name Swell? You know, I did not. I, I worked with an agency to help me with the first website And I went in, I had them sign an NDA and, you know, I had this great idea and I don't want anyone to steal it. So I went in there and they said, okay, great. Tell us all about your company. And I called my company can't live without it because you can't live without water. And they laughed (laughs) just like you did. They started laughing so hard and they're like, you need a brand. And I was like, oh yeah, I was an accountant. You know, I studied a little bit of marketing, but I thought the product would stand for itself. And they said, listen, you didn't hire us for this, but we're going to help you come up with some names. We landed on Swell. We were lucky that we were able to register it. You know, over the years, we were able to buy Swell.com, which is a huge milestone. But I loved it when I heard it because it's so old fashioned. Mm. And there's the idea of, you know, something very positive about it. And, you know, the, the thought of, you know, not using single use plastics, but just drinking tap water is kind of an old fashioned idea. Um, yes. And then I'm trying to create a movement. And there's a whole idea of like a ground, ground swell, uh, everything that that swell meant to me just made me feel like this was a really positive place to start the brand. Right. My dad used to say, I'm doing swell. You know, it was, he was from a different era, but I also think of it as taking a swig of water. And I feel like that's what you do from a swell bottle. You take a swig, right? And that that's a specific, you know, that, that word means something. So that together the swell actually makes perfect sense. Let's talk about some of the pain points once you get going and you're trying to scale this business. At one point you're, you were the CEO, correct? Yes. What was that experience like of really trying to scale it and bring it to new heights? So many challenges. You know, consumer products is hard because you have to make the thing and ship the thing and have it in the right place, right? You always have to think about that. So, I mean, so many times 
containers would be stuck somewhere or, you know, you'd create an order and a, a large customer would change their mind or they'd sell out of something so quickly that you just weren't able to meet the consumer's demands and, you know, what they were looking for. I mean, there were just so many challenges over time. But I think it, the thing that really helped me the most was I, I write in a journal. I have a five-year journal and it's almost like a little um, motivating factor to myself that I write today underneath what I wrote a year ago and underneath what I wrote, you know, three years ago. On the oh, same wow. Page. And so, of course, I'm always writing about the challenges of what happened during the day, and maybe some of the milestones, like the exciting things that happened. But whatever, whatever was keeping me up at night last year or three years ago on this date somehow got resolved. And so whatever the problem was, even though I, so many times I would write, this is it, it's over, you know, I tried <laughs> I'm hard. done, Sarah, I'm over Sarah, it. You did your best, but you know, this is really the end. And of course you flip the page and there's a solution and it all worked out. And so in my own writing, I, I have really found that no problem is insurmountable. And I think over time, it's really given me the confidence to lead with the problems when I run into other entrepreneurs, instead of just saying, oh, everything's fine. Everything's perfect. I find that the more that I can leave that perfection aside and just say, hey, I'm having this huge challenge. Has this ever happened to you? You know, in addition to giving me a pep talk and telling me it's going to be okay, can you give me some advice or put me in touch with someone that might be able to help me with this challenge? Mm -hmm. I think that's been one of the things that's been really helpful for me to scale the business and, and to move us forward. To and, and also that really lends itself to great connections with people. If you lead with vulnerability and you're able to share a problem, people are able to help you and it leads to a deeper connection. So that's really a, a wonderful point. Did you ever take VC funding or was it all bootstrapped? No, I never took any outside capital. It was just all bootstrapped. So, and again, in products, that's really hard. Um, so my accounting background, as much as it was a really boring period of my life, <laughs> For me, God bless all the accountants out there listening because we need you in the world. But that just wasn't me. But I'm really glad that I was comfortable with the numbers because um, I had to take a lot of you know leaps of faith on buying inventory uh, to have it in the right place before we could sell it. When you meet with young entrepreneurs who have an idea and they're trying to launch something, what are the first two things that you tell them to get their idea off the ground? And what do you, what do you feel like is the most important thing um, when someone's starting something? You know, I think the most important thing is getting started. You know, so many times I talk to, to young people and they're trying to get everything perfect before they launch. Mm. And I really encourage people that if this is something that you think that you want to do, give it a shot. Mm. Um, I think it's also really important to think about your risk profile and your financial risk profile, because not every business is going to work in the first iteration that you try. Now, I was lucky in that I wasn't married, I didn't have kids, and I had some savings in the bank, not a lot. But, you know, it, it's one thing to get started. But I think you have to also be really careful and think about, you know, where your as you said, forks in the road, like where are your go, no go decisions. Like there's a lot of reckless testing that you can do in a short period of time and then reevaluate where you are. Like I would hate to say, well, the most important thing to do is get started and max out your credit cards. And next thing you know, you're really going to have to take a real job and not do an entrepreneurial venture. So I really like to talk with, you know, young founders and give them the encouragement, but help them come up with what are those milestones and those breakpoints that you know if it's working or if you have to pivot, you know, before you run through all your capital and, and really think about like how you and you and your family, you know, are, are comfortable with, you know, taking the risks that are needed to start a business and get it off the ground. 
How do you think you personally have changed from when you started the business and had that idea and going to Brooklyn and with your beautiful bottles to right now? Like, how has this business changed you for better or for worse? I think all of me has changed. I I have so much more confidence and I have so much more I hate to say happiness, but I I realize how hard this has been and, Mm. and how lucky that I've been that the hard work has really created a brand and a movement that people appreciate, you know, because not everybody has that, that arc of an experience. You know, I, I, I'm definitely shorter because the universe has pushed me down. (laughs) You know, it's definitely been hard and challenging, but I never would have anticipated the incredible opportunities that this brand and this company has afforded me with. I continually, like, I still look at, you know, the Instagram pictures of people that are posting us and, you know, the, the new marry me movie with JLo that's out right now, she's using a Swarovski encrusted swell bottle and almost (laughs) every scene it's gorgeous. It's amazing. And that's um, when, you know, you've made it when you've you've made made your into the hand of JLo, right? Your product is in the hand of JLo. It's so cool. And my son who's three um, is super into Spider-Man and the Peter Parker in the new Spider-Man movie that just came out a couple weeks ago, the the prop department not only bought a swell bottle, but they put the logo from Peter Parker's school on the swell bottle. And he was doing a science experiment in the movie. And I have these moments where I'm like, of course, we didn't pay for any of that. It just happens. It's like, it doesn't matter all the hard work. Like we're part of like the culture and the, because of that, people that look up to their idols, whether it's JLo or Superman or Spider-Man rather, they're using a reusable water bottle and setting a message not to use plastics. And so it's like, yes, this has been hard and I feel really changed by it, but I'm so inspired by this movement that just sort of happened with this crazy idea of a product that I had. It's really inspiring. It really, I mean, no one can look at your story and not find not only a a wealth of inspiration, but also just take away moments to use with their own business. So thank you for being so transparent and really sharing your journey. I'm wondering when you look at your own career arc, as you said, you're a young woman who has a, a lot of life to live. I'm wondering what is next for you and where do you see your career going? Gosh, that is always the question. You know, I, I spend a lot of time with founders. I really love to help others on their journey and sustainability is my North star. It's really why I started swell. And I realized that I was early in my sustainability conversations and that the world realizes now, you know, post pandemic that we're more connected than ever before. And our actions really do have an impact on the greater whole. And so I've been working with a lot of really large organizations on thinking about their sustainability strategies and trying to use Swell as my platform for having a bigger impact in the world. Swell will always be my first baby, Um, always have a special place in my heart, but I'm looking forward to sort of using that to to ascend and launch into something bigger as it comes to sustainability and, and really using all of the lessons that I've learned to help organizations have more impact. Do you think you'd ever do another startup? Yes. I promised my husband I would maybe take a break uh, in between one and doing the next one. But it's it's hard not to think that I wouldn't just because I, I really learned so much on this journey that I really would love to do it again, but, you know, but different. Well, right. And you have a three-year-old right now. So it might be a time to just take a moment and enjoy the sunshine of Florida and your three-year-old. But I know based on all of the wealth of information and just the richness of your journey that you have a lot 
uh, for whatever you bring to your next business company and mission. So thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you for this time. I wish we were having martinis at Raul's. I do too. I do too. Well, if you come to New York, let me know. I'll take you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to To Dine For The Podcast. For more information on the show, the guests, and the podcast, head to todinefortv.com. You can find us on Instagram at todinefortv and Facebook at todinefor with Kate Sullivan. Thanks to the sponsors of To Dine For The Podcast, American National, Spiritless, and Terlato Wine Group. Special thank you to producer and sound editor John Golner. To the loyal followers of this program, cheers, stay hungry, and stay inspired. I'll see you back at the table soon. 